In the 15th chapter of Luke in the New Testament, we learn about a young man who obtained his inheritance from his father and then traveled to a far country. And this young man wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had squandered all of his resources, a mighty famine arose in that land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And this story has a marvelously happy ending. The return of this son to his home led to a loving reconciliation with his father and a restoration of his station in his family. I'm sure that story sounds very familiar. I've heard it a number of times throughout my life. And I love that story. There's some wonderful teachings found within. This is Stephanie Colvin, and I'm your host at LDS Real People Real Lives Podcast. And in this episode, we will be covering the topic of religious freedom. Thank you so much for joining us today. And as always, thank you for your support on this journey of faith, building with other saints throughout the world. We will cover what religious freedom means. It's important to us as saints what our leaders say, and we will look to the scriptures for further guidance and understanding. The scriptures are and continue to be a great way to come to understand the prophecies of the latter days and to receive revelation about what we can do within our own sphere to help Jesus Christ during this wondrous yet unsure times of the latter days that we find ourselves living in. So that story of the prodigal son actually came from a recent uh, talk or address that Elder David A. Bednar participated in, uh, the Religious Freedom Annual Review, and that was done this year, June 17th of 2020. It was the seventh Religious Freedom Annual Review that's been hosted by the BYU Law School, J. Reuben Clark School of Law. And of course, Elder David A. Bednar is a prophet of the Lord and his church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So he spoke to those who are willing to listen throughout the world. And the talk that he gave at the address was a wake-up call. And he certainly got my attention and got it fast. I actually watched the video immediately, which can be found on newsroom.churchofjesuschrist.org. Uh, There's a four-minute edited version of it on YouTube that highlights portions of the speech, but you can also watch the full talk on YouTube, which is just under 30 minutes long. And there is also a scripted version of it on newsroom.churchofjesuschrist.org that you can read as well. And this is a very important talk to give your time and attention to, as it truly is a wake-up call for us in the world, as well as the saints. So with the onset of the virus, COVID-19, we have found ourselves in the middle of a pandemic. And what is a pandemic? It's a disease that is prevalent over a whole country or the world. It's an outbreak of a disease. What have we learned about the pandemic while living through it? It took away our ability to go to work, 
to go to church and school. We found ourselves unable to visit friends and family. We can't minister in person. Um, We haven't been able to attend the temple. The missionaries were called home across the world and so much more. Everyone has been impacted by this pandemic, somewhat the same yet different. However, together we have seen that our circumstances have taken our religious freedom and liberty from us to a certain extent. We can't attend church. We can't assemble in faith and edify each other. And it's outside of our control whether or not we can exercise our rights to religious freedom and practice. So what I'm wondering is how far is the government going to go? And how far do we allow our religious rights to be considered non-essential during this pandemic? So much confusing information out there about masks, gloves, whether or not hospitals are truly inundated with COVID patients. How long do we stay on lockdown? Will our economy recover? Will we ever recover? Um, You know, what happens to our families? What happens to ourselves? Where does this all lead us? And what do we do from here? And how do we move forward and when? So I turn to this talk given by Elder Bednar that came out um, I believe the week of June 20th and what a wake up call it was to have an apostle of the Lord come out at this annual review and be so bold and so direct with us about the wake up call of this circumstance and these experiences that we've had with the pandemic. And Elder Bednar clearly teaches in his devotional address during the Religious Freedom Annual Review that the situation um, and the circumstances that we're in is a wake-up call. And he wants to know, do we hear it? Do we see it? As peaceful saints of Christ and God, how do we ensure our rights to the exercise of freedom of religion and practice? Now, of course, I'm not a lawyer or professor. I don't have any professional experience with governmental laws or expertise. I'm just me living in my little corner of the world and looking to our prophet and other leaders to guide us through all of this, that everything that's been going on. After all, we have been reassured by our beloved prophet, President Russell M. Nelson, that this too shall pass. So when will it pass and for how long? Will it return? What do we need to do? So earlier I shared the story of the prodigal son as Elder Bednar shared in his address in the BYU devotional. In that story, we learn of a son who collected his inheritance from his father so that he could go out into the world and live as he chooses. He found himself broken, destitute. He took a job doing some hard labor with little reward, not even any decent food to be given to him. And at that point came the wake up call. The son returned home offering himself as a servant in humble supplication and gratitude for anything his father would give him, including his father's forgiveness. Now, his father treated him when he returned home. If you watch that video, it is so touching. His father treated him as majesty, clothed him, fed him, and lovingly embraced his long lost son. It was as as if anything that he had done before Any wrongs or hurt feelings never existed. And we too can find that kind of care and blessings as we wake up and humble ourselves, supplicate the Lord, and serve in his house. We can be saved, protected, blessed, and blessed to persevere, to endure, 
and embraced by gods who work ceaselessly for our return home, and that is Father in Heaven and Jesus Christ. We are so loved. So, the parable of the prodigal son does describe the experience of a young man who became lost and subsequently found his way back home. But please note that there are two key aspects of this young man's experience. First, he began to be in want. When a mighty famine arose in the land, as this natural calamity unleashed its negative effects, <clears throat> his inheritance was gone. He lost it all. Many of his friends who enjoyed his companionship while he had plenty of money have long since told him goodbye, and he may have been homeless. But ultimately, it was the famine and his resultant hunger that constituted a strong wake-up call. He was shaken awake from the customary patterns of his lifestyle by an increasing realization of his inability to fulfill his most basic needs. Second, the young man's wake-up call led him to come to himself. And this poignant phrase suggests a process of examining aspects of his life that previously had been unexamined, um, resulting in a piercing realization of his present circumstances and what he had become. He also was willing to strive for a timely and needed course correction. I will arise and go to my father. Our world has seemingly been filled recently with strong wake-up calls from natural disasters to a deadly pandemic sweeping the globe to a most pernicious social plague of racism. We are daily reminded that we need to awaken to the perilous times that surround us to come to ourselves and arise and turn to our Divine Father who desires to instruct and edify us through our trials. So, COVID-19 and its constraints along with the other natural and man-made disasters we've experienced is our wake-up call, just like the prodigal son. The prodigal son was stuck in circumstances that put him to work feeding the animals and caring for his master's needs, yet he was given very little food, if any at all, left to starve and thirst. You take away a person's ability to sustain themselves on the basics, uh, you know, clothing, food, shelter, and desperation comes very quickly. And I want to share with you a poem written by a gentleman by the name of Tom Fullery. And the poem is called The Great Realization. I believe Tom Fullery is a pseudonym, but unsure. Um, but I believe this is meant to be in the future and looking back on what we experienced during the 2020 pandemic. So here it goes. Tell me the one about the virus again, then I'll go to bed. But my boy, you're growing weary, sleepy thoughts about your head. That one's my favorite. Please, I promise, just once more. Okay, snuggle down, my boy, but I know you all too well. This story starts before then in a world I once would dwell. It was a world of waste and wonder, of poverty and plenty, back before we understood why hindsight's twenty twenty. You see, the people came up with companies to trade across all lands, but they swelled and got much bigger than we ever could have planned. We always had our wants, but now it got so quick. You could have anything you dreamed of in a day and with a click. We noticed families had stopped talking. That's not to say they never spoke, but the meaning must have melted and the work-life balance broke. 
and the children's eyes grew squarer, and every toddler had a phone. They filtered out the imperfections, but amidst the noise, they felt alone. And every day the skies grew thicker, till you couldn't see the stars. So we flew in planes to find them, while down below we filled our cars. We drove around all day in circles. We'd forgotten how to run. We swapped the grass for tarmac, shrunk the parks till there were none. We filled the sea with plastic because our waste was never capped. Until each day when you went fishing, you'd pull them out already wrapped. And while we drank and smoked and gambled, our leaders taught us why. It's best to not upset the lobbies, more convenient to die. But then in 2020, a new virus came our way. The governments reacted and told us all to hide away. But while we were all hidden amidst the fear, and all the while, the people dusted off their instincts. They remembered how to smile. They started clapping to say thank you and calling up their mums. And while the car key gathered dust, they would look forward to their runs. And with the skies less full of voyagers, the earth began to breathe and the beaches bore new wildlife that scuttled off into the seas. Some people started dancing, some were singing and some were baking. We'd grown so used to bad news, but some good news was in the making. And so when we found the cure and were allowed to go outside, we all preferred the world we found to the one we'd left behind. Old habits became extinct and they made way for the new and every simple act of kindness was now given its due. But why did it take us so long to bring the people back together? Well, sometimes you've got to get sick, my boy, before you start feeling better. Now lie down and dream of tomorrow and all the things that we can do. And who knows, if you dream hard enough, maybe some of them will come true. We now call it the Great Realization. And yes, since then, there have been many. But that's the story of how it started and why hindsight's 2020. Now, this uh, gentleman can be found on Facebook at Probably Tom Fullery. He's also on Instagram at Probably Tom Fullery. I really love this poem. Um, I, too, noticed that from the slowdown because of the pandemic, I all of a sudden had a lot of time to do a lot of projects, work at home, get into this podcast that I've been wanting to do for two years. Uh, work on my yard and make my yard the way that I want it to plant plants and to beautify our home. I've also been able to work on some other projects that were personal to me and my family and visit family more often. Um, it's been super nice having my husband who's a teacher at home and with the long distance learning we have been together every day and you know what it has been a wonderful time spent together. Uh, we've really enjoyed having even my younger son here living with us right now, he was let go from his job because of COVID and we've been able to spend a lot of quality time with him. Um, so there have been a lot of benefits from this slowdown. However, life continues to tick on. And as I see more and more of the changes in the world, especially in our country, I wonder what happens to our religious freedom as we continue to move we couldn't even go to conference this year. It was a very small select group of people who could attend conference. And this conference was the bicentennial year celebrating the first vision. 
and we couldn't even go to that conference. So we've had a lot of changes. You know, we're not able to go to church. You know, we discussed it earlier. A lot of things have changed. Missionary work has changed. Ministering has changed. But how long is this going to be allowed to go on? And one of the things that I really picked up on from this uh, video that I watched of him giving this address was basically his warning about all of the wake-up calls that we have going on in our lives and in the world, and what are we doing about it? Are we recognizing the slow, subtle changes that are taking us into a place that may just be a little bit unrecognizable? In the history of mankind, we continually see throughout the scriptures and other valid sources of the wake-up calls for people of the time. So we're now living in what we will, well, soon be history. And how will we respond? So let's discuss some of the impacts on religious freedom because of the unique circumstances that we live in today. Uh, for me personally and my family, again, we've not been able to meet together. We haven't been able to fulfill our callings. No ministering is being done in person. It's all over email, text, phone calls, Zoom and FaceTime, which I'm really super grateful uh, to have this technology so that we can continue to do uh, you know, church work, missionary work, ministering, but it's just so different from seeing each other in person. Missionary work is now done over Zoom, and that has really changed the effectiveness of missionary work, in my opinion. There's nothing that can replace the testimony given to an investigator in person. Just absolutely nothing. Many aren't able to receive the sacrament for various reasons. We aren't able to uplift and build each other in our faith and shared love for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, we miss each other, seeing one another, laughing, chatting, working side by side, all of the things that uni unifies us as saints in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The world puts gas before spiritual nourishment. Home stores are open before church gatherings. And is this okay? What will our future look like? Gathering as saints in Christ Church is essential, and yet we are finding it in the U.S. to be considered non-essential. So how far will this go? What do we do and how do we have our voices heard? I've seen many people comment on social media that the church stays out of government dealings and business, yet we have seen in the past their due diligence and rallying for our people what's good and right and correct. Shall we gather together and peacefully protest the fact that we aren't allowed to meet on the Sabbath day as we have been commanded to do? How far do we take this and what do we do? So my answer will always be first and foremost, to look to the prophet, President Russell M. Nelson, our apostles, to pray and ask for guidance, to be of sound mind, to be reasonable, especially when we consider other people that will be in our little world on a daily basis. Do we police those around us if they don't have masks on or aren't keeping the safe social distance recommend of six feet? When do we let citizens of the U.S. govern themselves and we concern ourselves with ourselves and what we have control over? Or do we all tell each other what to do and when to do it, giving the stink eye and sometimes more because they aren't getting with the program? The latter sounds pretty contentious to me. And what do we know of contention? So what do our leaders in the church say about religious freedom? And you know what? I was actually pleasantly surprised. I found a lot of information from our church leaders about religious freedom. 
So I'm going to be pulling from a couple of talks in particular. Uh, of course, I mentioned the Bednar talk or address that he gave at the um, BYU Law School address. But there's also another talk that Elder Robert D. Hells gave. And that was from April 2015. It was a conference talk. And so we'll be talking a little bit about that too. So stay tuned. Elder Robert D. Hell said, quote, We must not forget that moral agency is an essential part of God's plan for all his children. As we walk the path of spiritual liberty in these last days, we must understand that the faithful use of our agency depends upon our having religious freedom. End quote. This is how important it is that we have our religious freedom and plays into the plan of happiness and salvation. And we must make sure that we maintain our ability to freely practice religion. So Satan, also known as Lucifer, that great adversary, he wanted to take away our agency when he rebelled against God and the plan of salvation and happiness. And what did God do? He kicked him out of heaven and a third followed him, unfortunately. They used their freedom of choice to go with Lucifer. Why? Because he knew that would go directly against the plan that is essential and most important for us to have the opportunity to come down to earth and have this experience. For agency is a divine gift and integral to the plan of happiness. Satan would have changed the entire plan and then gave himself the glory. And that isn't the God I want to follow. So I'm grateful for Heavenly Father's wisdom and justice that we find ourselves living the plan that truly makes us like Him. The plan of salvation with a sacrifice to be made of the most innocent and holy of holies, our Savior and Redeemer, our advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. We voted. We agreed. We exercised our ability to choose in favor of all that is good and right. And similarly, our exercise of agency to make right choices, such as following the commandments of God, as Elder Hills teaches, quote, enables us to fully understand who we are and receive all of the blessings our Heavenly Father has, including the opportunity to have a body, to progress, to experience joy, to have a family and to inherit eternal life. Elder Hales also teaches that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The blessings of the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, increases our freedom and ability to live righteously. Elder Hales says there are four cornerstones of religious freedom that we as Latter-day Saints must rely upon and protect. Number one, the freedom to believe. Number two, the freedom to share our faith and beliefs with others. Number three, the freedom to form a religious organization, a church to worship peacefully with others. And number four, the freedom to live our faith. If any of these are taken away from us, we cannot fully engage in the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything has been planned for this time and dispensation. And these four cornerstones of religious freedom are it. That leads me to the article of faith number 11. 
we claim the privilege of worshiping Almighty God according to the dictates of our own conscience and allow all men the same privilege. Let them worship how, where, or what they may. I am a strong believer of self-governance. I do also believe that sometimes we need to make adjustments because what we do affects those around us. I get that, you know, especially being raised in the gospel, we need to be very aware of how we're affecting others around us. But when it comes to the way that we live, let us decide for ourselves instead of everybody that what I'm seeing kind of happening in my little sphere of the world as people are policing other people and it's creating a lot of contention, whether it's in or out of the church, it's just simply a lot of contention. Some are offended when we bring our religion to the town square, so to speak. They don't like it when we are public, vocal, and actively talking about the splendid love and majesty of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Those who would ask for tolerance in the world, as well as a platform to preach their beliefs, Unfortunately, we're seeing more and more of them not give the same respect and tolerance in return. And we see that freedom of religion is becoming more of a political intolerance of religious freedom. God brought our forefathers, even Christopher Columbus, to this new land so that we may have the promised land to have our freedoms and liberties and truly live out the gospel plan of salvation without fear. Yet here we are, again, seeing religion to be batted about as if it is inconsequential and has no worth. So what are some of the consequences of this laissez-faire attitude? I see generations of fatherless and motherless children who have become adults. Sometimes these kids didn't have either, and it's alarming. I see generations of young men and women acting out with no guidance or care for personal respect of property or humanity. It takes me back to the story of the elephants that I shared in last week's episode of The Fathers. They talked about how they moved the young elephants to another preserve for space and to open up land. Um, They were left without bull elephants to be an example, and soon they found other elephants dead, and they thought it was poachers that were killing them. But after setting up cameras, they found it was actually the young elephants who were killing others. They had become base and violent. I know for me personally, I divorced my boy's father and had to share them with his family every single weekend. The California state courts didn't care that their dad wasn't actually picking them up or taking care of them and that I had a desire to raise my children with a firm foundation of God and Christ and faith. And you know what? They've suffered for this, which has been consequences of my decisions, of course, but also the state. I mean, once you decide to get a divorce, you truly don't have any power. They take that from you. And so the state does not view faith being an important part of a young person's personal growth. And um, I'm not saying that they didn't have a right to see the children. I wanted my kids to have a relationship with his family as well. But I also wanted the kids to attend church on Sunday and I could not get any support with that. And now my children are adults. So jumping back over to the address from Elder Bednar in June of this year, he talks about visiting Elder Hells at his home when he was ill. And he asked Elder Hells what lessons that he had learned as he got older and through the experiences in his life that he would share with him. Elder Hells, being a sweet, loving, wise man, responded to Elder Bednar and said, When you cannot do as you've always done, then you only do what matters most. 
For Elder Hells, his physical abilities had become limited, and some may have thought that would limit him in his ability to serve as a servant of the Lord, but it actually became his strength. Physical restraints expanded his vision. Limited stamina clarified his priorities. The inability to do many things honed his focus on what was most important. Thus, the constraints and limitations can be tremendous blessings to our lives. And I believe in that as well. I am so grateful for these men. So let's cover some of the wake-up calls that we've received from COVID-19. And this again covers, um, actually comes from the Elder Bednar, Bednar talk that he gave. And he says, the following examples highlight some of the things that we may now see and hear more distinctly because of the demands and constraints imposed upon us by COVID-19. So COVID-19 has alerted us to many of the limitations in the supply chain processes that bring food from the fields, farms, and processing plants to our local grocery stores and kitchen tables. COVID-19 has alerted us to our dependence upon foreign nations for many of our essential medical supplies, especially our pharmaceuticals, and a wide variety of other strategically important products. COVID-19 has alerted us to many of the constraints of just-in-time inventory and delivery systems for manufacturing plants and retail businesses. COVID-19 has alerted us to many of the deficiencies in our national and local healthcare systems. COVID-19 has alerted us to the importance of defending the borders between personal liberty, constitutional rights, and governmental authority. COVID-19 has also alerted us to many attacks on the freedoms of religion, speech, and assembly, and the list goes on. The buzzer on the COVID-19 alarm clock just continues to ring and ring and ring. That's huge. Huge wake-up call from an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, just as Elder Hell suffered physical ailments and inabilities to function normally, um, yet his spiritual service and power became so honed and effective as it helped him narrow in on what matters the most. We too can take our experience from this COVID-19 experience and ponder what our wake-up calls have been. This present crisis may well be a moment when we too come to ourselves and realize perhaps as never before, just how precious and fragile religious freedom is. So I wanted to just take some time to go over some personal reflections. Government power can never be unlimited. Religious freedom is paramount among our fundamental rights. Religious freedom is fragile. In a time of crisis-sensitive tools are necessary to balance the demands of religious liberty with the just interests of society. So we pray. We seek guidance through the power of the Holy Ghost to direct us. We look to our prophet and apostles, our state presidents and bishoprics. We truly have not been left alone. God and Christ have ensured that we have help every step of the way, but sometimes we may need to be creative about that help. Show some initiative, reach out beyond ourselves and do the work to find such sacred directions. 
Our ability to gather is central to our faith and religion. When we cannot gather, this becomes a huge detriment to freedom of religion. So how far is this allowed to go on? Returning back to Elder Bednar's uh, address that he gave um, in June, he talks about COVID-19 being an unprecedented restrictions on religious exercise. And he points out some very important thoughts. He says, I believe it's vital for us to recognize that the sweeping governmental restrictions that were placed on religious gatherings at the outset of the COVID-19 crisis truly were extraordinary. And what seemed like an instant, most Western governments and many others simply banned communal worship. And these restrictions eliminated public celebrations of Easter, Passover, Ramadan, and other holy days around the world. There has been no other event in our lifetime and perhaps no other event since the founding of this nation that's caused quite this kind of widespread disruption of religious gatherings and worship. The COVID-19 restrictions affected the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in a unique way. The Church's April 2020 General Conference, as I mentioned before, a celebration of the bicentennial of the first vision of the Prophet Joseph Smith, had to be broadcast to a global audience from a small auditorium with only a handful of people attending instead of from our large conference center with a congregation of more than 20,000 people. Clearly, the governments have an affirmative duty to protect public health and safety. And I believe, again, this is Elder Bednar speaking, and I believe public officials have most often sought to do the right things to protect the public from the virus. Drawing proper lines to protect both public health and religious exercise in a pandemic has been very challenging. But we cannot deny and we should not forget the speed and intensity with which government power was used to shut down fundamental aspects of religious exercise. These decisions and regulations were unprecedented, and for nearly two months, Americans and many others throughout the free world learned firsthand what it means for government to directly prohibit the free exercise of religion. And then we have reflections on the nature of government and the importance and fragility of religious freedom. Like the prodigal son who came to himself in the midst of crisis, our own time of being in want invites us to carefully reflect on fundamental principles that perhaps we have long taken for granted. I know I have. And here are a few of Elder Bednar's reflections. The first he talks about is government power can never be unlimited. We covered that just briefly earlier. Um, He says in our political system, the government derives its just powers from the consent of the governed to quote the Declaration of Independence, but the just powers of government cannot be unlimited because they exist most fundamentally to secure the God-given rights of life and liberty so that each of us can exercise our moral agency and be accountable before God for our choices and our actions. This is important in the plan of salvation. Constitutions, representative government, checks and balances, the rule of law help constrain the tendency of government to exercise unlimited power. Of course, liberty has its limits. Government has a just role 
in fostering a moral environment in which people can live good and honorable lives. But whatever else government officials may be called upon to do, we the people must never allow them to forget that their offices and powers exist to secure our fundamental freedoms and the conditions for exercising those freedoms. Despite the obvious need for a proper response to COVID-19, we must not become accustomed to sweeping assertions of governmental power. Invoking emergency powers, government executives sum summarily imposed numerous orders and directives that in many ways are analogous to martial law. And these executive orders are unlike laws enacted throughout or through the ordinary give and take of the democratic process. No doubt an emergency on the scale of COVID-19 justifies strong measures to protect the public, but we cannot lose sight of the fact that many of these measures have been and are extraordinary assertions of governmental power that can dramatically constrain our basic freedoms. So the power of government must have its limits. Must have its limits. The second reflection, religious freedom is paramount among our fundamental rights. This time of restriction and confinement has confirmed for me that no freedom is more important than religious freedom. Again, this continues to be Elder Bednar. I just felt like this was so important to include in this podcast because we need to understand what's going on and what to do. He goes on to say the freedom of religion properly has been called our first freedom. It is first not only because of its placement as the first right in the First Amendment, but also because of the paramount importance of respecting the moral agency of each person. Living even for a brief few weeks under the restrictions imposed on religious activity by COVID-19 is a stark reminder that nothing is more precious to people of faith than the freedom to worship Almighty God according to the dictates of our own conscience and to openly and freely live according to our convictions. Religious liberty is one of the most just and holy principles underlying the Constitution of the United States, and that liberty draws from and in turn reinforces the other rights protected by the First Amendment. The right to speak freely, to make use of a free press, to peaceably gather with others, and to petition the government to redress grievances. Freedom of religion stands as a bulwark against unlimited government power, and it safeguards the right to think for oneself, to believe what one feels to be true, and to exercise moral agency accordingly. It protects communities of faith and the rich and sacred relationships they make possible. Nothing government does is more important than fostering the conditions wherein religion can flourish. So here's the third reflection. Religious freedom is fragile. As we have experienced Religious freedom can quickly be swept aside in the name of protecting other societal interests. Despite COVID-19 risks, North American jurisdictions declared as essential numerous services related to alcohol, animals, marijuana, and other concerns. But often religious organizations and their services were simply deemed non-essential, even when their activities could be conducted safely. In the name of protecting physical health and security, or advancing other social values, government often acted without regard to the importance of protecting spiritual health and security. It often seemed to forget that securing religious freedom is as vital as physical health. And I totally agree with that. 
I was kind of wondering why the churches have been shut down. Why don't we have access to practice and to go and to unite and to be together, especially, you know, when the going gets rough and tough, we should be coming together and we can do these things safely and in a way that will be safe for those who choose to go. You know, let's give those people, those saints, a choice to either go and those saints a choice to not go. Instead, that choice was taken from us. And this in here in lies the problem. So the fourth reflection that he covers, he says, in a time of crisis, sensitive tools are necessary to balance the demands of religious liberty with the just interests of society. And he says, I'm not for a moment saying that religious freedom can be unlimited in the middle of a pandemic, nor am I saying that all government officials have disregarded religious rights. Far from it. What I am saying is that we can no more disregard the valid claims of religious freedom in a time of crisis than we can disregard the valid claims of freedom of speech, freedom of press, or freedom from unreasonable searches and seizures, nor should we prioritize secular interests above religious ones. A health crisis should not become an excuse for a religious freedom crisis. And he goes on to say that he believes that we must always remember a key principle. This is so important. Specifically, religion should not be treated less favorably than analogous secular activities. For example, the orders of one state barred Catholic priests from anointing a parishioner with holy oil in the performance of last rites. Even if the person was not sick with COVID-19, even if the priest and parishioner were protected with masks and gloves, and even if the oil was supplied or applied with a swab, in the same state, my church could not perform baptisms even under the safest of conditions. So protecting a person's physical health from the coronavirus is of course important, but so is a person's spiritual health. And that same state allowed lawyers to meet with people to administer to their legal needs, allowed doctors to meet with people to administer to their health needs, and allowed caregivers to administer food to satisfy nutritional needs. But it did not allow a clergy person to administer to a person's religious needs, even when the risk of all these activities was essentially the same. This example and many more like it illustrate a profound devaluing of religion. We can and we must do better. Elder Bednar says he also believes that we must always remember a second essential principle, namely policymakers. Even in a crisis should limit the exercise of religion only when it truly is necessary to preserve public health and safety. So when the needs of society are great, officials should still ask whether there is some way of addressing those needs other than by burdening or banning the exercise of religion. With goodwill and a little creativity, ways can almost always be found to fulfill both society's needs and the imperative to protect religious freedom. You know, being from California, I have not, I mean, we're, we're told what to do all the time all the time when we step out of the house when we go to a store when we have to go to the doctors i mean we're it's like we no longer have a brain for ourselves and you know i see on these apps that these next door neighbors do and how they're constantly arguing back and forth about people not wearing masks you know people wearing masks and telling other people i mean this has just become another way for everybody to bicker 
everybody has different beliefs and different stances on this whole COVID-19 pandemic. And I think that we need to learn to be wise about what we do, especially when we're telling other people what to do. You know, that becomes a very, very slippery slope. The COVID-19 crisis has presented, um, you know, a unique opportunity to reaffirm and shore up our religious freedom. And Bednar goes on to talk about how, you know, we've witnessed the government's swift, well-intentioned, but often dangerous breaching of the boundaries that protect the free exercise of religion. Do we hear the buzzer on the alarm clock? You know, this is a wake-up call for all of us. Those fundamental boundaries and protections must be healed, renewed, and fortified. While believers and their religious organizations must be good citizens in a time of crisis, never again can we allow government officials to treat the exercise of religion as simply non-essential. Never again must the fundamental right to worship God be trivialized below the ability to buy gasoline. And you know what? I totally agree. I totally agree. In the midst of this crisis, the prodigal son in the biblical parable came to himself and began the long journey back to his home. No doubt in that moment, he realized the error of his ways. But more fundamentally, I think he also realized that he had forgotten who he was. There among the swine, he remembered, and then everything had changed for him. In our understandable desire to combat this coronavirus, we too as a society may have forgotten something about who we are and what is most precious. Perhaps we've not fully remembered that faith and the right to exercise it are central, central to our identity as believers and to all that we deem good and right and worthy of protection. Now is the time for us to heed the wake-up call to remember and to act that we may do so is our hope and earnest prayer. I, you know, as this continues to tick on and I've held on to the very precious words and counsel from our prophet that this too shall pass. But here we are now in July. Vacations have been canceled this weekend. You know, family was coming into town. Everything has been locked down in Ventura. Everything is closing. Bars, restaurants, beaches, everything's closing. Um, There may be some limited services available, but just everything's closing. And we can't even go to church together on Sunday as we meet together as a family. We can't go and see people that we haven't seen now for months. We can't go to our chapel and feel the Spirit of the Lord there. We can't edify and uplift and unify ourselves during this time of just a lot of unknowns. And I'm grateful for our prophet. I'm grateful for our apostles. I'm grateful for their leadership. But most of all, I'm grateful for my Savior who tells me and shows me the way to have my own revelation, to have my own understanding and concert with the prophet of the Lord, the apostles, our state presidency and bishopric. I am grateful for the personal inspiration that I can receive and for the spirit that tends to me and my family that gives us peace during this time, 
even though we know eventually we're going to have to stand up and stand out. Something is going to have to be done. Um, There was another quote by another apostle that said, you know, we knew, Moroni knew and saw the latter days, and he knew that during this time that we're living in that there were going to be secret combinations, and we're seeing it. It's happening, um, you know, in our government, in our lives, in our world. It's just, it's happening. And people with money and power are so manipulative. They're greedy and so prideful. And I'm not saying all of them are, but the ones who are doing this right now, they certainly are part of that secret combinations. And so I don't want to get into all the details and beliefs and what I believe and what you believe. I just wanted to focus on the fact that we need to come back and remember our freedom of religion Um, You know, whether it's purposeful or not, our rights to practice religious, you know, our freedom of religion freely has been taken from us. I don't know how long this is going to last, but I do know at some time, someplace, somewhere in the near future, we're going to have to stand up and stand out. And uh, I just want to wish you all (sighs) much faith much hope, much love, and to encourage you to continue to build your spiritual relationship with the Holy Ghost that you can understand the language of the Spirit and find the peace that comes from His comfort, His teachings of all truth, and the messages that He relays on the behalf of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and our loving Father in Heaven. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. As always, I'm available through email at ldsrealpeoplereallives at gmail.com. You can DM me on Instagram at ldsrprlpodcast. I always appreciate your time. And as always, stay healthy, stay safe, stay faithful. And remember to be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Until next week, God bless.